In today's episode of Zen 50 Mills, how can you shop at a grocery that doesn't accept cash or a card? Why a rapper quit his music career to rescue cats? Then, how science led farmers to paint eyes on their cows' butts? And finally, groundbreaking solar panel tech that can work even when it's too cloudy to see the sun. All of that, plus today's secret link in the Feel Good Feature Track is coming at you right now. Hey everyone, welcome to 715 Mills. My name is Andre, and welcome to the show. We're all about bringing you good news, interesting stories, and genuinely useful things to know. Today we're going to talk about some pretty cool things. Not just because these stories involve cats and rappers, but also an incredible generational leap in clean, sustainable energy production. I know that doesn't sound sexy, but bear with me. This is going to be good. So good, in fact, that I'm going to cut this intro short and just jump into it. A lot of supermarkets and grocery stores have made some pretty drastic changes in the way they serve customers throughout this pandemic. Some of the big ones include social distancing related measures like free hand sanitizer, plastic barriers around the checkouts, and in some places, switching to card payments only, all in the name of trying to slow the spread and minimize the transmission of the virus. So many things have changed this year. You guys used to it yet? Well, one grocery store in Texas is taking this a step further not outright just carving a path that's going in an entirely different direction. They don't accept cash or card. They won't take any money at all. So located within the Linda Tut High School in Sanger, Texas, this grocery store only accepts good deeds as payment, which they put into practice through a point system. Anthony Love, the school's principal, explains. A lot of our students, they come from low socioeconomic families. It's a way for students to earn the ability to shop for their families. Through hard work, you can earn points for positive office referrals. You can earn points for doing chores around the building or helping to clean. The grocery store itself is run by students. They're responsible for stocking the shelves, keeping track of inventory, addressing sales, and monitoring the registers. The entire concept also aims to help teach students essential transferable job skills that they can use as they move forward from high school and into the world. In addition to helping address food insecurity for the students and their families find themselves struggling during the pandemic. The folks in charge are also looking to see if they can spread the concept of this good deeds only grocery store to other schools and other small towns in Texas to help more people. Moving on, let's check out this story from Botswana. Why are cattle farmers painting eyes on cow butts? Long story short, science made them do it. To understand why, let's start with a big problem that these cattle farmers from Shorobe, one of the small villages on the outskirts of Botswana's Okavango Delta region, have to face. Raising livestock while having to deal with ambush predators while not having enough resources to sufficiently protect the cattle. It's a bit of a complicated problem. Within the Okavango Delta region lies the Moremi Game Reserve, which is a 1,900-square-mile wildlife sanctuary home to animals like leopards, hyenas, and lions. It generates jobs, fuels tourism, but these predators, especially the lions, 
also threaten the livelihoods of the cattle farmers who live in and around that region. What makes the situation more difficult is that most of these farmers don't have the resources to fence in their cattle in ranches. This means that they just have to let their cattle roam the bush untended, and that makes them vulnerable to the big cats. There doesn't appear to be much help from the government either. While there is a program that offers some support to the farmers who, who lose livestock to attacks, they are only reimbursed about 10-20% to 20% of each cow that they lose. So what ends up happening? Well, the farmers get disenfranchised and angry, and they go out and hunt the lions down in retaliation. This means that lions, already an endangered species, are put in even more risk of extinction. Lions are also a keystone species, and that means that their numbers can have a huge impact on the entire ecosystem and everything in it, other animals and plant life included. Plus, it also endangers the local economy, and that probably doesn't make the government happy. On a quick side note, if you'd like to know more about what a keystone species is and just how big of an effect they can have on the environment, check out episode 6 of the podcast. The best case scenario requires coexistence between the cattle farmers and predators like these lions. The question is, how? This is where the results of a four-year study by an international team of scientists come in. According to a report by Atlas Obscura, the concept behind painting eyes on cow butts stems from something researchers have observed in animals in nature, eye spots. Eye spots are a feature of a variety of species who use these to deter predators. For example, some insects use them to misdirect birds, and some fish feature false pairs of eyes to intimidate larger fish. They also note that no animal has ever been known to successfully use eye spots against larger mammalian predators like lions, and that makes this eyes on cow butts experiment even more interesting. Here's how it went. A team of researchers led by University of New South Wales Dr. Neil Jordan theorized that in the same way that smaller predators can be deterred by eye spots, attacking lions may similarly feel they've lost the element of surprise when cows grow eyes on their butts. Ending the hunt before it began, the team thought, would be a win for man and animal alike. And the report continues. What started as a trial experiment on one herd in 2015 expanded with field researcher and PhD student Cameron Radford's assistance to cover 14 different herds with more than 2,000 cows. We chose herds that had previously reported higher depredation rates, so we know lions were a problem for them already, he says. Of the group, roughly a third were given a pair of furrowed acrylic painted eye spots. We were going for the intimidation factor, says Radford. Another third were left unmarked, and the remaining third received simple cross marks. While 15 unmarked cows and 4 cross marked cows were killed by predators, not one of the cows with eye spots over the 4 year study became big cat food. The low cost method was enough to turn even the most skeptical of Shorobes farmers into believers. At first they thought it was a joke, but when they saw that it was working, they were happy to see us coming back, says Radford. So far, so good. While it's proven to be a pleasant surprise in just how effective it is, the researchers note that it shouldn't be considered a silver bullet and that we need to continue observing and learning more about it. They say that the lions may eventually habituate to prolonged exposure to eye spots, but according to Radford, 
Shorobis lions are migratory enough to be fooled for the long run. Dr. Jordan also admits in a statement that it's unclear whether painting would still be effective if these proverbial sacrificial lambs were not still on the menu. For the time being, the researchers recommend that farmers reserve the eye spots for only their most valuable heifers. While a local non-government organization hired a coexistence officer to ensure the practice persists upon the team's departure, a swell of online attention has led to unexpected copycat trials abroad. It's being adopted in India for leopards, in South America for jaguars, and elsewhere in Nepal as well, says Radford. If someone somewhere gets served a steak with a vague outline of what looks like a pair of eyes, you'll know where it came from. Would you give up a music career to dedicate your life to helping look after stray cats? One man did, and his name is Sterling Davis. Sterling Davis is the founder of Trap King Humane Cat Solutions, a nonprofit organization with the mission of being able to assist, educate, and service communities to prevent overpopulation and spreading of disease in feral cat communities. They do this using TNR, which means trap neuter return and they highlight the fact that this is the only humane alternative to euthanasia for feral cat colonies. Along with the main mission of helping the cats themselves, Trap King also wants to build awareness amongst a broader set of demographics as well as looking to bring about more diversity and awareness in animal rescue. That point right there is important and we'll talk about why. You see, Sterling's unique approach to animal rescue was inspired by his experiences. So let's start at the beginning. Sterling Trap King Davis was a former military man and a rapper living in Atlanta, and he was taking a break from a rap tour when he applied for a job at the county shelter. He wanted to make a bit of money on the side, and he's always loved animals, so he thought that was a good idea. He didn't do well at the interview. Here's how it went in his own words. I did horrible in the interview because they had cats in the room and I was playing with all the cats, kissing all the cats. Even though he wasn't really able to answer any of the questions because he was distracted by the cats, he got the job because, according to the person who hired him, we're not seeing people like you with cats. Keep that in mind, as this is one of the things Sterling made a point of to look at as well. Afterward, he started helping shelter employees with trap-neuter-return cases. The team would trap community cats, bring them to the shelter to be vaccinated and spayed or neutered, and then return them to the area where they were found in. First of all, why trap, neuter, and release? A few reasons. 1. TNR helps cats live the rest of their lives without overpopulating, spreading disease, or fighting over resources. Fixed cats are less prone to aggression and fighting. 2. Trying to get rid of all community cats can have an impact on the local environment. Even though it's not intentional, these stray cats can help manage and keep the populations of mice and snakes in the area under control. If you completely remove all the feral cats at once, snakes and mice would no longer have a natural predator to keep them from becoming more of an issue to the community than they already might be. 3. TNR works. Done properly, the community benefits immensely, in addition to being a humane solution for the cats themselves. The cats don't have to fight over territory, mating, or food. With proper feeding stations and schedules, the cats don't have to fight as much as the food isn't scarce, and the colony stays small as not able to mate. At some point, 
Some of these cats can even be rescued and help to find a proper, safer home, further reducing the population of stray cats in the area. Sterling worked for five years at a shelter run by Lifeline Animal Project and trained with the Best Friends Animal Society. Then, he founded Trap King Humane Cat Solutions in 2017. His nonprofit had an extra goal to change stereotypes of men in cat rescue and bridge the communication gap between black communities and predominantly white animal welfare organizations. Here's a question Sterling asked that put him down this path. At the county shelter, there were no men and no black people that worked in the cat department. When I would go out and do TNR with all my friends, it would be all women. That's who trained me. I finally asked the difficult question. Where are all the guys and where are all the black people? The answer, they said, there's just you. At some point after, Sterling let his band know that he wouldn't be coming back on tour. Instead, he was going to devote all his time to rescuing feral cats. When his music money dried up, Sterling sold everything he owned and bought a conversion van to live in to help pay for cat surgeries and support his nonprofit. He plastered the van with Trap King logos and people started noticing. He hosted contests for kids who would watch his humane traps. Whoever texted him first about a cat and trap won $20, second place got $15, and so on and so forth. As Trap King became better known, more opportunities arose. The Atlanta Humane Society offered to spay and neuter cats he brought in for free, which was quite helpful since he wasn't charging anyone for his services. He credits his experiences in being in entertainment and in being in the military. He enlisted in the Navy straight out of high school. Being around people from different backgrounds and cultures has having helped him better connect and communicate with people from all walks of life. But it hasn't quite been smooth sailing, especially at the beginning. Early on, when Sterling was returning cats to a predominantly black neighborhood, a group of men walked up to him and told him, White people put tracking devices and diseases in these cats to hurt the black community and you're helping that. You're bringing them into the neighborhood. That didn't sit right with Sterling. He said, wow, that's so wrong. It was really difficult to explain it because all the black community could see was this is a white person's thing. It started getting better over time. When protests erupted across America in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, Davis launched a t-shirt campaign called Allies in Rescue, Allies in Life. He announced that he would donate all of the funds to the nonprofit Campaign Zero, which promotes policy changes to end police violence. He got overwhelming support from rescue advocates and organizations. Sterling recalls, I got a lot of feedback from the black community on that, so he got all of these animal people to donate to issues other than just cats or dogs. I'm like, yeah, we're allies in rescue and allies in life. So that really turned a lot of things around. Today, he runs Trap King Humane Cat Solutions from an RV. His goal is to travel across the country to promote TNR and to fundraise for animal shelters. He's also pushing for the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts to start offering a TNR badge, all the while continuing his outreach to communities. I've literally been pushing to make TNR community cat care as common as recycling and get more people engaged in so many fun ways, he says. Sterling notes that he would love to see the rescue community find ways to put aside any differences and work together toward the common goal of saving the lives of pets. I think something as selfless as rescue could be an example to the world of unity and working together, he said. So I want to put that out there. As for the cats themselves, what's it been like for them? 
Here's a small snapshot of a bigger picture of the results of Sterling's efforts, according to the Trap King Humane website. One place they work with is called Java Cats, a cat cafe in Atlanta where people can come in, have some coffee, hang out with some cats, and even adopt right from the coffee shop. In just their first year of operation, Java Cats was able to help people adopt over 200 cats. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Trap King Humane website so you can check out more of what they're all about and how they're helping both the cats themselves and the communities they find the cats in. Make sure you go check that out, okay? Just taking a quick break for some announcements, the 750 Mills podcast is now available on Amazon Music. So if you stream music and listen to podcasts primarily through Amazon Music, you can now subscribe and listen through there. Just search for 750ML Podcast, tap on the follow button, that's the one with the heart icon, so you can get notified whenever a new episode is uploaded. Of course, 750Mills is available on other podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and also directly through podomatic.com and 750ml.fm. So just pick and choose your platform of choice, subscribe, and enjoy. And if you do enjoy the podcast, tell a friend and point him in this direction. If you'd like to help out, please consider leaving a star rating and a quick, short review if you can. This helps me improve the podcast, and it also makes it easier for others to find 750 mils. Thanks for your time, now back to the show. We've often looked at the sun and in it we see many things. It provides the heat and light needed to sustain life here on earth, for one. One other thing it gives us is an essentially unlimited and sustainable source of clean energy, if we can ever work out how to properly harness it efficiently and at a reasonable cost. Solar energy has traditionally had its skeptics and critics point to the fact that it only works during the day, and even then, it only really works if it's not cloudy and you have direct sunlight hitting solar panels based on current technology. To put some numbers on that concept, uh, this means that most, if not all, commercially available solar panels today can only produce energy for about 15-25% to of the day. That's without talking about conditions in regions further away from the equator where long winter nights are a thing for significant parts of the year. Plus, there's the amount of land space solar energy farms need to occupy in order to generate the energy needed for more significant populations. It's clean enough and sustainable enough, one can argue, but it's not as efficient as we might want it to be. And to some degree, that's a reasonable criticism. This is where a young engineer named Carvi Eren Maigue, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, man. That's where he comes in. Carvey studied at Mapua University in the Philippines, one of the country's leading engineering schools, and he is the inventor of what we can think of as possibly the next generation of solar panel tech, something he calls Aureus, that's spelled A-U-R-E-U-S. He has two variant devices, one is the Borealis Solar Window, and the other is the Astralis Solar Wall. His work is significant because it solves a few problems that current-gen solar tech has. 1. It can still collect light and produce energy even when it's cloudy and there's no direct sunlight. This means that from the paltry 15-25% to efficiency of previous-gen solar tech, you can theoretically bump this up to almost 50%. 2. It uses food waste as one of the main components. 
This means that what would otherwise be waste, it's in the name, is now made useful to a degree that's just staggeringly useful and beneficial. Instead of going into landfills or garbage processing plants, this can instead now be upcycled into something that helps produce sustainable, clean energy. And if there's something the modern world has a lot of, it's food waste. 3. It makes good use of existing infrastructure. His technology has the advantage of being flexible. The basic Aureus panel is 3 feet by 2 feet, but Carvey says custom curves, shapes, and even colors can be created so that existing designs and architecture can be fitted with sustainable energy tech after the fact. In practice, this means it's possible to turn existing buildings into solar energy producing ones to a certain degree. Think about a city with all that vertical real estate and imagine the possibilities of increasing solar energy production without needing to grab a huge chunk of extra land area. Remember, Aureus doesn't need direct sunlight in order to produce energy. On paper, this could mean that almost any and all buildings could be potential solar farms. That's sort of the high-level overview of Carvey's tech. Let's talk a little bit about how it works. In one video, Carvey talks about how one rainy day he noticed how his spectacles darkened in response to the environmental ultraviolet light even though there was cloud cover and no direct sunlight. You can probably see how the gears in his head must have started turning at this moment in time. This made him think of how wasteful it was that this free, spare source of energy wasn't being harnessed and just simply not being utilized at all. He then talks about organic luminescent compounds, particles that can absorb and emit light, as being at the center of this technology. You can get these particles from food waste, such as from fruits and vegetables, that may have gone off and are unfit for consumption. The retrieval of these bioluminescent particles happens through a process of crushing the fruits and vegetables and continually straining the resulting mixture. Once these compounds are retrieved from their respective sources, these are then trapped in a recent substrate. Now we're talking about how a panel takes shape. Then, when these particles are hit by UV light, they absorb and reflect that light. The reflections of visible light are concentrated to the edges of the panels, where photovoltaic cells capture them to convert that to DC electricity. Now, speaking of sources of organic luminescent compounds, there's plenty of that to go around in Carvey's home country, the Philippines. The food waste use and production is actually a result of climate change. As the Philippines suffers from shifting weather, millions of hectares of vegetation have been damaged, resulting in fruits and vegetables becoming unfit for human consumption. Now, what would otherwise be wasteful and discarded is now a rich resource that Carvey has tapped into. And this also helps farmers who have been affected by what would otherwise have been lost yields due to damaged crops. That is a win-win situation. Carvey's work is significant. There's a lot of good his work can do, and people around the world are taking notice. In fact, Carvey's Aureus system was recently granted the first ever James Dyson Sustainability Award. This means that he now has access to better support and resources to pursue further development and to push his ideas and his technology forward. And that's me oversimplifying things, by the way, so forgive me if I left a few details out. If you'd like to see more of what the future according to engineer Carvey holds, make sure you check out the show notes so you can see links to Carvey's tech, an interview, and a video that gives you a good overview of Aureus, which includes a few words from the UK's Sir James Dyson, and of course, Carvey himself. 
Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track, a song called Two Trick Pony from a band called Sandwich, also from the Philippines, because why not? Straight out of 2003 from their album called Thanks to the Moon's Gravitational Pull. Now, last few times I checked, there's more than just one band called Sandwich, but I think this sandwich is the best sandwich. But that's just my opinion. What's also my opinion is that Two Trick Pony is a good, fun song, and that you should go listen to it. Check it out in the show notes, and as always, Spotify and Apple Music links will be there for your convenience as well, including links to the complete playlist of all the music that's ever been featured in every episode of the podcast. Go check it out, play it straight through, or shuffle them all up. I can more or less guarantee you'll have a good time, even if it's just a little bit of a good time. That's it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out links to stuff we've talked about here, and that includes a featured track, along with this episode's secret link that's got a pretty decent chance of making you smile, albeit very slowly. You can subscribe and listen to the 750 Mills podcast on Podomatic.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. Just type in 750ML Podcast in the search box and tap on the follow button or the subscribe button, depending on which service you're using. Links to all of that will be in the show notes for this episode as well, which you can find on 750ML.fm. That's 750ML.fm. If you have been enjoying it so far, please consider leaving a star rating and a review. Your feedback helps improve the podcast and it can help other people find it as well. And I'd really appreciate it. Anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with me, and I'll leave you with a thought from Socrates on what it takes to be rich. Here's what he says. He is richest who is content with the least. Hope you have a good day. Take care now.